When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are at the Chicago Street Race, and oh my gosh, Jordan, this is this is going to be a lot to unpack on this one. This was a uh, this was a weekend, and uh, in fact, lots of firsts this weekend, including our first time we've ever done a podcast live from our hotel room. You were my roomie for the weekend. Um, however, it is approaching. Uh, midnight on uh, the central time zone here. And that is when the media center that we are using closes because that's the art Institute of Chicago. So given the late race, uh, there was not going to be time to record our podcast there. So we walked back to our hotel and now we are chilling on our separate beds. Thanks separate. for clarifying that. Yeah, Appreciate separate. that. And that's why we're not doing a video this week either, by the way. Uh, nobody wants to see two dudes lounging on their beds in the hotel There's room. probably like a, what is it? Though? There's a market for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, that's not, not what, that's not our bag. Anyway, I need a few bucks. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> who knows where to start with this one, but for one thing, uh, what a weekend. I mean, Jordan, we have anticipated this for a long, long time. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> give, give me your opening thoughts on what we just saw. I mean, it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was, you didn't know what to expect coming into the weekend. I think there was a lot of, I want to say skepticism because I felt like NASCAR proved with the LA Coliseum that they can, they can do this to some degree. Now, this is a whole different animal, different beast. This is a street course in downtown Chicago versus an oval in a stadium, but there was some confidence that they could, they, they were, they're smart people. And, they're not going to build something that's just going to be rickety and thrown together. But still, like you, you come here and you don't know what it's going to be like. And then you see it. You see the course and you're like, this is this is a street course. This is what every other street course looks like. This is professionally done. It's well done. It's a good layout. And it was a well, really well run, put together event. The city embraced it in a large degree. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was, there was, you saw advertisements for the race. You saw... Uh, merchandise for the race you saw fans walking around the streets with the race i didn't hear anything from one person who had anything critical to say about the race um uber drivers i had who weren't nascar fans were raving about it and one was bringing his dad because his dad never did a race before and they wanted to go see it that was cool to see and so from that perspective it was it was a huge huge success i mean it was really hard to wrap your head around for the first couple of days of just walking around and seeing the course come together and the final touches on it and, and just seeing just sort of the energy around it and people just fascinating, like people just stopping to take photos of the mm -hmm. fences. And, and then 
<clears throat> you know, when, when the cars finally got on track and you're seeing all the people on top of the bus station and the train station awning and, you know, cutting the tarps <laughs> that were on yeah. the fence uh, outside the public areas to, to get a look through. I mean, and, and even inside the course, I mean, you saw those images um, and walking around of people four, five, six deep at mm -hmm. some of the fences in the general admission areas, craning their necks, all everybody with cell phones out just to see cars coming by through really the whole race. Yeah, and you had people um, lining, looking at windows and buildings and stuff and everything. It was, it was cool. It was just, um, you know, everything that you would think. Uh, and here's the thing too, like we, we go to cities all the time, right? Where, you know, you say, Oh, what are you in town for? Oh, the NASCAR race. Oh, is that that's this weekend or whatever? Or they don't even have mm -hmm. no idea where it is. But and I'm talking about like, you know, pretty major markets, not just out in the middle of nowhere or something like it's, it, people don't always know that NASCAR is coming. There was no mistake. I mean, this entire city, it felt like they knew. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of that was because, People had seen negative coverage over, you know, they're moving the taste of Chicago or they're shutting down Michigan Avenue for the weekend and they're shutting down Lakeshore Drive and here's how you're going to have to reroute. And so some of it was, you know, people weren't feeling good about it, but people knew about it. There, I, I didn't encounter anybody for, through the weekend, restaurants or whatever we went to. People were like, what? What's going on? Why are nope. you here? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they knew what was going on. And know? they didn't speak out bad about it. I mean, they, no one know, we no one we encountered. No one we encountered, and there was no protests. There was no. There didn't seem to be any backlash surrounding the event, at least from what I saw and heard. So it was cool to see, and it was great. And then the race itself, you know, I think we all kind of had the uh, kind of thought it might be a crash fest, and that you know, especially going into the turn one and and some of the other ninety degree tight turns that there was going to be. Now, well, turn six that actually was the case, um, the Noah Gregson corner, um, <laughs> but. But I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the huge crash fest that we kind of anticipated. Now you had the one big pile up in turn eleven, but that was it, and that that happens, and it was not a big deal. And it, you know, and the the track that it was wet a little bit too, I, I think probably helped to some degree because drivers had to kind of temper down a little bit and they had to be a little bit more careful. And I thought you largely saw a pretty professional racing race considering the the conditions. Oh my gosh! I mean, the racing was way better than we thought it was going to be, or at least I thought it was going to be. I had pretty low expectations and I thought it was either going to be, you know, a case where it was really strung out and it would just be, you know, leader would be up 20 seconds and every, nobody would be able to do anything. Or like you said, it was going to be a crash fest. They wouldn't even be able to barely make it around the course. There's so many 90 degree corners. And we knew that if there was one incident with any cars around, there'd be, the track would be blocked. Um, you know, this race was far more professional than say Coda. Oh Yeah. I or mean, Indy. Or yeah, Indy Road Course for sure. Um, and this race was a lot more entertaining than, say, like Sonoma. I would, you'd have to check me on this because you have a better memory, but I would say this was the best road course type race with the next gen car so far. Uh, yeah, the only one, I mean, it'd have to go back to Coda last year. I don't remember the time I had to finish that Coda race with Chastain and all no, That was a great but, finish. But, but I don't remember the race itself. Yeah. But I mean, I. I mean, there wasn't a lot of passing for the lead tonight. I mean, there was a couple, there was a few, but there wasn't a ton of lead changes, but there still was a lot of passing. I, I mean, look, it's Shane Van Gisbergen, who we're obviously going to talk about here in a little bit, um, due to the, the way that pit strategy unfolded with the shortened race, 
and again, we're going to get to that. He had to restart 18th Mm -hmm. after his final pit stop, Mm -hmm. and he drove all the way up to the field. Yes, he did. So, And we saw Chastain come from the back. Yeah, I mean, you can say that... I mean, I'm sure that... Look, yeah, there wasn't a ton of passing for the lead, for sure. But bottom line is you... You could pass. He, he passed. Oh, you could definitely make pass. There was a lot more. There was a lot more. Denny Hamlin said this. Few, some other drivers did as well. There were a lot more passing zones than they thought there were going to be. Yeah. And that that was good. I think, in general, the drivers came into this weekend knowing they were going to have to respect the track because they were talk. They all talked about it. Um, yeah. They were saying they they couldn't even see they wouldn't they couldn't even see buildings while they were driving because they were so focused on those walls on mm-hmm. either side of them the barriers and how tight and narrow that course was you had to be so mentally sharp mm-hmm. and so focused the entire time on not you you had to respect that course and it was intimidating for them and the surface changes and the sliding around you had to be so precise they didn't have time to do some crazy stuff where you run into another car and you bounce each bounce off each other and run off the track. And they were, it was all they could do to not hit the walls and not go in the tire barriers. We mm-hmm. saw the best drivers, some of the best drivers in NASCAR getting buried in the tires. I mean, Kyle Busch, um, Tyler Reddick, who, when he was in position for the race, mm-hmm. when, uh, gets in the tires. Martin Truex Jr. who won the last road course race bounced off the wall a few times tonight. Yeah, he had several incidents. Chase Elliott had an incident. Um you know, William Byron who's a great road course racer. He he was in position on his strategy where he could have been the leader um eventually had it shaken out and he bends it into the wall and and that was the one that started that turn 11 pile up. Um it was a challenging challenging course, but guess what? That's great. Because we want to see these guys challenged. We don't mm-hmm. want to see it so easy. Um, some of these road courses where, you know, they kind of just bounce off each other and they can go wide. I mean, Coda, for instance, has so much room, right, till you hit a wall. And they kind of race accordingly sometimes there, right? And and because they're like, well, you know, I, I can get away with this. Or I can overset the corner and I'll just go off here. And, I mean, this they knew this had very little runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no margin for error. So, you know they had to they had to race really smart and i think that that was reflected in the racing but i think it was very you know for the most part great clean racing like you said professional again if you were watching this somewhere around the world and you saw this race that that was good i think that nascar put on a good show that that put nascar put on an impressive show of talent you weren't like oh my god these guys can't drive their skill was on full display because there was some challenging sectors of this course, the carousel section where you really carried a lot of speed through there, we saw all weekend how it was a really easy spot to, to lose control. And you could see these drivers wheeling this car, especially because it was wet too, which helps. There was two things that I thought, the two things in the race that I thought also helped, which probably need to be implemented at other road courses across the board. One, single file restarts. Mm-hmm. It gets rid of the double file stuff, it gets rid of dive bombs bunches everybody up and then that restart zone moved earlier into yep. the, the previous corner big win and it spreads out the field enough we talked at coda like something has to be done what can you do is it really a good solution we saw tonight that this is the solution and if you want to eliminate the, the these kind of crazy zany sometimes clown show-esque uh pileups and corners like we see so often at coda and indy this is the way probably to do it yeah i mean drivers this weekend, Chase Elliott among them was still talking about how embarrassing Coda was. 
you know, Elliot was like, I wasn't there. I watched it on TV, but that's not the kind of racing we need to be putting on those restarts, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and like you said, I think this was a, a pretty fair solution to it in, in a way, like moving the restart zone back and then having single file restarts again, it didn't take away from, you know, the action for me, it just reduced like the wackiness of it. And look, you still had, you still had incidents. You still had an overtime yeah. tonight, but it wasn't. Once you got to the overtime, it didn't devolve into some stupid, chaotic thing where you're just like, this is just silly now. After after a respectable race, this just turned bad. I mean, it, it, it was fine. So, I mean, I, I think that whatever you thought the racing was going to be for a street course for NASCAR, to me, like, I I would have thought that this would exceeded most expectations of, of what people were anticipating and fearful of and all that stuff. Um you didn't hear anything about the next gen car and how hard it was to drive on street and road courses. This was probably the first time in the next gen era where that hasn't been uttered. And you saw a race tonight where the drivers were pushed and tested. You saw a deserving winner. You saw a good battle at the end there. You saw hard racing. You saw con- if you you know you saw the typical NASCAR contact that we that that is supposed to be synonymous with NASCAR and road courses. This this checked a lot of boxes. And really, again, going back to, and, and, you know, again, we'll get to the rain and all that stuff later too. And, um, but just going back to the atmosphere, like the whole point of this race, obviously, right. Was to, to bring this to a city center, to bring it to people, to show off NASCAR as a product to show, you know, look, you may have heard about NASCAR. You may have preconceived notions of NASCAR. Here it is. It's right in front of you. It's right on Michigan Avenue. One of the most famous streets in America. It's right on Lakeshore drive, famous Chicago street, right next to the, I mean, just beautiful, right? You know, Grant Park, picturesque Buckingham fountain, all this stuff. Right. Um, and you know, you're, you're seeing NASCAR cars go around these places where tomorrow, by the time most people are listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, Michigan Avenue is going to be open again. Yeah. They've already started the teardown. Um, yeah. I mean, it's so uh, just, that was, obviously unprecedented for, for NASCAR history, 75 years. Um, and to just see that they pulled this off, um, it's monumental. It, you know, NASCAR spent easily, uh, I think it's fair to say in excess of $50 million on this. Yep. And like you said, the course looked beautiful. It was well done. It was highly professional. It wasn't some, something like it got slapped together or something. And, not that you would have expected that, but no. um, they did it right. You know, this, they did the suites right. They did the fan areas right. Like, and, and this is NASCAR's first time doing it. It's not like they're F1 where they have all this experience or even IndyCar, um, you know, with their experience at Long Beach, St. Pete, Nashville now. Um, this is NASCAR's first shot at it, and they, I thought they knocked it out of the park. Again, the weather really, really hampered them and, and looked for a while there like it was going to be bad. And I, I do want to save that for a little bit later in the show, but just um, kudos, honestly, like to the, to the people that pulled this off, the people that were behind this, this to me is one of the top achievements, um, at least since I've been around in NASCAR, this, this was huge. I mean, this, this was probably the most difficult thing that like you, you mentioned the Coliseum earlier. I think that was really cool. This had echoes of it and that you see it and you're like, wow, they really did this. But this was way Way, yeah, I mean, way this is a, this this is a 
race course in downtown Chicago, which is challenging enough unto itself. Plus, you throw in the politics and everything else, and then doing something you'd never done before. And they did it, and they deserve all the credit in the world. Now, they, I think largely the things that they can control, they they knocked it out of the park. Um, you can you know quibble here and there, and then once the weather came, you know it, that's it's hard. I mean, they that was really unfortunate. It's it kind of puts a little bit of a a pin in the balloon, but overall, I don't know how you couldn't be complimentary of this and look at this and say, this was great. This was a win, and this is something we need to do again. Not necessarily more of, as in like we need to have more than one on the schedule, but why can't you have one street course race a year, whether it's in Chicago or somewhere else? Oh, for sure. I mean, this if this was truly being billed as a proof of concept race, right, like... And it was, and, and you know, just like the Coliseum was. Could could we do this? Could this work? Um, this to me worked better actually than the Coliseum race. Like this was more of a true race. This was raceable. Um, where the Coliseum, it, it's cool. It's it's a cool little spectacle, but you can't really race that well there. But um, yeah, this. I mean, like Steve O'Donnell said after the race, <clears throat> they sort of have the confidence how they they could really take NASCAR anywhere. I mean. You want to do a street race in London, whatever, wherever you can get to agree with what you want to do. They know, mm-hmm. they know how to do it at least. They know where to start, and they're going to learn a lot from this too. I mean, they're only going to get more knowledge from this weekend. So, I would definitely expect that you're going to see a street race on the calendar permanently now in NASCAR. Every year, there's going to be at least one, right? I mean, I wouldn't say permanently for you know. I think. Going forward for the next foreseeable future, definitely. I mean, whether I'm curious to see whether that's Chicago again next year. That's the the big unknown. I, if you ask NASCAR, they they absolutely want to come back here. Why would you not? This is the third largest you know media market in this country, and this this is what you want to do. It's a great setting. You you have a course that you know works. So NASCAR coming back like next year seems, from their perspective, like a slam dunk. Now it'd be interesting to see what the city says. Because we know the backstory there, and they were there's a lot of uh, pushback from them. You would hope that the city looks at this and say, "Listen, they came in here, they did what they said they were going to do, and they ch- they 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 fulfilled everything that they said, and they didn't make a mess. They cleaned up after themselves, right? And they brought fans here, they brought excitement, they brought attention here. Hope we want them back, and we'll we'll see how this goes. And they have a three year contract, but you know how those contracts go." And look, a lot, we can't go much further at all without mentioning Julie Giese. Um if, if you're not aware of who she is for whatever reason, um, she was most recently the Phoenix Raceway track president for that huge key um, person in Daytona Rising, um, the Richmond renovation, things like that. Talladega. Yeah, I mean, she has been a key person who is being trusted more and more and more right by NASCAR. And we, we were talking, I mean, we can't even have imagined um, somebody else being in this position to pull this off. I mean, you just trust in her so much because she's so detail oriented. Um, She, she's worked in every phase. You know, when you do something like Daytona rising, you learn all about the construction stuff Mm -hmm. and, and all the various things that go into it. And, Having been a track president then, you know all that side of it. So she she has the perfect skill set to do it. And, 
you just knew that she was going to to come through. Like it just felt like, I mean, she's sort of the, um, the Shane Van Gisbergen of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I call her the fixer. I mean, like, the fixer. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, where NASCAR's priority is Daytona rising was their huge priority for a few years. So guess what she did? She was leading, you know, part of the team in that. And then it was, well, we need to, we got a big renovation project at Richmond Talladega. Guess what? She was there leading that. Oh, by the way, we want to move the championship to Phoenix, and that's going to require a lot of renovation there. Guess what? She went out there. And then she was named President of Chicago because that's a huge deal. And I, I tell her this, and it's kind of well known in the industry. is like you want to know where NASCAR's priority is, like their next big thing, just follow her because that's where she's going to be. I mean, and they're lucky to have her. I mean, 100%. They I mean, that's, you know, when you go to a great school like the University of Wisconsin Falls, they produce nothing okay. but amazing, talented individuals. And, and kudos to that fine <laughs> academic institution for producing uh, a star like her. Where did you go to school, Jordan? Uh, coincidentally, we went to the same college, UWRF. Oh, okay. I know. It's funny uh, how that works. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope they invite us that. back to, they, maybe we can speak at commencement or something. Yeah. Not both of you. Why? One of you. Well, the th- one named Julie. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 too busy doing your best work on Saturday nights to be invited. I back did a lot of great work there on Saturday nights. You <laughs> Oh God! Oh my God! Anyway, um, back to Julie. Um, yeah, I just feel like I, I would have confidence in her. <laughs> whatever whatever NASCAR project, whatever they imagined was going to come, like or anything in life, I'd just be like, put her in charge. She's going to get it done. She's going to have every base covered. And if she doesn't, it will immediately get fixed for the next time. And there's really no doubt. So I think that was a huge part to this uh, going off as huge. planned. Obviously, I mean, she, look, she has tons of people helping her, too, that really dedicated a lot of their life um, over the last year to doing this, especially the last few months. Um, this was an intense, intense build that had to go right, and they had to get it right. And... Again, like I, I can't say it enough. They, they pulled it off. That's that was an achievement in itself. So, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk about the race and, and who won because um, Shane Van Gisbergen. Are you, are you going to say his name? No. I'm horrible at pronouncing names and I'm not even going to try because I know I'm going to butcher it and you'll laugh and people are going to really kill me. So. Well, the broadcast had their own troubles with yeah, that. And so. I, you know what? I get it. That's why I don't mock them for butchering names. Cause I'm horrible. So, well, he's also called SVG. So, okay. I'm just going to call him Shane. Cause it's really easy. Shane, rolls off the tongue. Just real, call him SVG. Cause I will probably screw that up as well. It's three letters. It's, it just, it's rolls too quick. No, it won't sound good. Okay. So SVG, look, you know, track house announces him as a project 91 driver. You know, the first two races um, they had done, you know, with Kimi Raikkonen. Kimi, obviously, F1 world champion, gets a ton more buzz, right? They're like, oh, yeah, you know, this three-time Supercars champion is going to come over. That's cool. 
I mean, that's cool, right? I mean, look, yeah. it's cool. And, and maybe he'll have a better shot to win than Kimi or a bet, a, at least a better uh, a better chance to run well, right? Because we know that supercars, I mean, he said tonight for pretty much half our schedule, mm-hmm. we run street courses. And I'm used to running in between those barriers. And, um, and certainly when we talk about drivers coming from dis- different disciplines, we know supercars in Australia are maybe the closest thing to NASCAR stock cars, right? In in the way that they race. I mean, that's why Marcus Ambrose um, had a lot of success on road courses when he was able to come over. Um, this is not a uh, open wheel driver jumping into a stock car. You know what I mean? This is something that's a lot closer. So when you put those things together, you could say, well, okay, yeah, he's maybe he'll, maybe he'll get a top 10. That, and that would be even a stretch, really, because yeah, and that would be a success, though. No Littleman track time, never been in this car before. Part time team, yeah. Top ten would be a it, well, would be a a win almost. That would be huge. I mean, Raikkonen didn't. No, I mean, I mean, just anybody, anybody that comes in. I mean, Jensen Button. It's extremely hard. We've seen it over and over again. In fact, we talked about, and drivers have said. Harvick has been outspoken about it in the last few years. Yeah, road course ringers aren't a thing anymore. You've heard that storyline, you know, because people always used to say, "Oh, the ringers, the ringers." Boris said, and then they went away because NASCAR drivers started doing so many road courses. The road course ringers couldn't come in and beat them anymore. No, I mean, they and drivers could no longer throw away those races where there were so many in the schedule, and the fact that you know, win and get in, you needed to do well. If you you need to get a win, this is your opportunity. So. They got more reps. They've gotten better. They put an emphasis on it, and that is why you have not seen road course drivers, Borset, Scott Pruitt, uh, Ron Fellows, come in and win polls or you know run in the top three and four and look like they might get a win. Now, road course racer has not won a Cup Series race since 1973, so you know the narrative that these guys come in and dominate is a little overblown. But there was a time when you know Fellows, Pruitt, and Said were again. They're winning polls. They're running up front, and they were. They look like they they have a chance to win. So you know, realistically, I don't think I just this this just doesn't happen, right? You know wh- wh- what we just saw tonight doesn't happen. It doesn't. You just don't have outsiders come into the Cup Series and and do well. I mean, again, like Jordan Taylor at Coda and things like that. You you know, guys in fast cars. It it just doesn't happen. But it did. It just did. I mean, for the first time in our lifetime, a driver has come into NASCAR in the Cup Series and won his first start. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And and he did it flawlessly. I mean, he had a great qualifying. He, he came with speed from the start. Um, he had a great qualifying. He, he qualified P3 and felt like he left a little time out there, but... He, you know, he was fast immediately. Every all the drivers were buzzing about seeing his footwork on that camera. You know, um, that was really cool to watch him, though. It was the, the and, foot camera. I mean, Kyle Larson's like, I, I can't do that. And if that's what it takes to run in supercars, I guess I'll never be able to run supercars because there's no way that I could ever do that. Mm-hmm. No way. Um, and obviously he's extremely talented. Uh, we already know that he's one of the best drivers in the world, but. He just came out and proved it. And I think that, you know, look, Chase Elliott saying, hey, he, he kind of made us look stupid. He made us look bad. And, and I get that, that there's that narrative. 
But Larson also said, like, this isn't embarrassing at all. This is a elite driver who is amazing at road courses and has way more road course experience than everybody else. And, or sorry, street courses, uh, way more street course than everybody else. And, and, and in a car that's somewhat similar, um, there's no shame in losing to him. There's no shame at all. Um, I think, look, you, it's, it's actually cool for NASCAR. They, they were able to get one of the best drivers in the world to come over, especially in his discipline. He jumped in, you know, they, they held their own, the drivers held their own, but he was better. The best driver won. You don't um, think that's a little, I mean, you don't think that's a little, like this guy rolls in, no experience, never been in one of these cars, again, part-time team, limited track time, and he comes in, qualifies well, which we've seen, you know, Jordan Taylor qualified well when he ran, but comes in and his racecraft is just head and shoulders above everyone else, and at the end, he's making moves that are. Just, I mean, he he's passing Chase Elliott, he's passing a Kyle Busch, and he's he comes in and just runs away with the win. That's just not like a little bit of like, oh, our drivers, man, our, we got a little bit of work to do. No, because it's a street course. If it had been on a road course, I'd feel differently, honestly. Okay, I'd be like, wow, like wait a minute, we we thought these guys were pretty good on road courses. But like, where was guy. AJ Allmendinger today? Well, I mean. You could say the same thing about Sonoma, I guess. He ways. ran in the top five at Sonoma. Yeah. I mean, he was in the top 10 for a while. I just, I don't know. Um, I, I just, yeah. But I think street courses are, street courses are a different beast, right? And he, I mean, it's no, there's no shame losing to the most experienced guy. A world, truly world-class talent. Three-time Supercars champion who does this all the time. Um. Now, granted, on a different side of the car, for one, and in a different yeah. car and in, in different surfaces, he was talking about and different. Uh, what's the why am I blank? degrees? Uh, you know, different numerology. Oh, you mean the metrics? Yeah, metrics. Thank stuff, you. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Sorry, it's late. Look, I mean, I, I really don't. If 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 the Cup Series drivers had a bunch of street course experience under their belt, and somebody came in and beat them. That that's weird. If somebody came in on an oval and beat them, that's humiliating, right? You know what I'm saying? Like in their in their own discipline, if like a non-oval, like let's say, let's say Lewis Hamilton came in and did an oval race and won, even though he's Lewis Hamilton, that's embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? And and again, to a road course, to a degree, I think you could make that argument that wait a minute now they shouldn't be able to do this, but no, a street course. For the first time, they're all running it, and then again, like he, I mean, he's he's exceptional. I I don't take anything away from him. I mean, he is exceptional. He is a world class talent. I just, it's just, it's. I think it, there is a little bit of like, this is maybe our. I don't. It, I think there was a definite impression tonight of like, whoa, like this guy versus our guys. Our guys, our guys aren't on that level. Not on street courses. No, but that's what we're talking about. And I think that's, that's a little bit of a, you know, but why would you, why would people expect them to be on that level if they've never done it before? Because you, we, we, we talk about Kyle Larson being one of the greatest active drivers in all disciplines, right? And you'd be able to hop in anything anywhere and do it. And 
But this is literally the first time Kyle Larson has ever driven. Kyle Larson has been in a lot of different cars on a lot of different tracks for the first time and done it. Like, and yeah, it's a different beast. But again, there wasn't. It it wasn't like he was the only guy in this field that you know. Again, AJ Allmendinger's raced on this. Michael McDowell's raced on this. I have to look at the list. There's probably other guys that have had some experience. Like, it at the end, it wasn't even close. It was like he was toying with them. No, and I think I saw a stat. Um, I think it was Avery Hage tweeted it um, that like his fastest lap was um, eight tenths of a second better than the next closest driver, and even his third fastest lap mm-hmm. um, was like three tenths of a second better. So like he kicked everybody's butt. But again, like okay, so let's say this. Let's say NASCAR inevitably someday does an ice race. Okay. And <laughs> what? I'm serious. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, they were going to do one in Europe, so I guess they shouldn't laugh. Uh, that's you know they're going to race on every surface. No, they literally whenever they announced that they were going to do one in Europe this year. Yeah. Well, and they, then they that, no that got canceled. Yeah. No, I, I understand it got canceled. Yeah. But they were actually planning to do it. Um. Or was it Pinty series? Was no, it, it was in Pinty it was series? in Europe. It was in Europe. Oh, okay. Anyway, so let's say there's going to be an ice race and. None of the cup drivers have ever raced on ice before, and Project well, 91. <laughs> well, Paul Menard, if that happens, Paul Menard needs to be in the Project 91 car. Okay, let, let's just say an ice racer who has no NASCAR experience <laughs> but has raced on ice a lot um, comes in, and they're like, hey, we're going to put you in the car. And let's say he wins. He, he waxes everybody. Does that mean that the drivers aren't? Do we think there's any less talent because of that? I say no, because they don't, they, they're not used to it. I mean, Joey Logano this weekend after, I mean, he looked Saturday after qualifying, he said, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done in a race car. I mean, this was extremely difficult for them. So I just think you, you sort of found a, I mean, Justin Marks, it got exactly the right guy for this. True. Right. Absolutely. And, and it worked out perfectly. Um, you know, even Justin though said, you know, with late race restarts and all the chaos that comes with that and, and pit stops. I mean, those were the things that were more <clears throat> sort of concerning or worrisome to him not having a good day or, or something going wrong. But look, I mean, the guy's just good. He's freaking good. Let's mm-hmm. just shout, you know, give him a shout out and say, tip your hat and say, I'm not, and I don't want to take anything away from what he did. He, he is great. He is phenomenal. If I'm a team, if I'm Justin Marks, I'm doing everything I can to put him in my car full time in 2025. But okay, so you say that, and I get that people would be very interested in his talents after what they just saw. But even SVG said tonight, like, "Hey, put me on an oval, and these guys are going to kick my butt, right?" Like, so there is a pathway, like we've talked about with AJ Allmendinger, kind of thing, right? Where if you go win one of those road courses. Um, you're in, but let's, Hey, let's see him on a road course too. You know, I, we, we don't even know if he would do as well on a road course as he did on a street course. I'm, I, I bet he would. I mean, I bet he'd, he'd be pretty good, but I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to go win. I think this was sort of an exceptional circumstance in some ways. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it sounds like he wants to come to NASCAR and I don't blame him, but I think there's other drivers. I mean, to me, I was watching a lot of his stuff this weekend and going, man, if he could do this, I bet Scott McLaughlin 
who was also a three time supercars <laughs> champion. Um, and is obviously an Indy car now, like he could do this. And, and SVG said tonight, like, Hey, the top 10 drivers and supercars are all talented enough that they could do what I did also tonight. So, um, and I, I, I don't doubt that. I really don't. Like, I, I think that the, the people, and again, it's, it's, it's what discipline you're used to. It's not a, it's not a shot at anybody in NASCAR. It's what you, what's what you're used to. So, um, you know, when you drive a flawless race, I mean, he was, you, when he got to third, we were talking about what stories we're going to do. when he got to third, I, you said, Oh, what if I do a story in Haley or whatever? And I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, take a, sh- a dig at you at all, but I just said, you're not going to be doing a story on Haley. You're going to be just doing a story on SVG. SVG is going to win. Like it was to me, the, the speed at which he moved up through the field, it was very obvious. Like he was in complete control. He was not going to make a mistake. He knew exactly what he was doing. He, I mean, he was, he was damn good, you know? He was great. I mean, he didn't turn a wrong wheel all weekend. He was very smooth, and he was very patient in a race where it had been very easy to be over-aggressive, and one wrong move is going to put you in the wall, and he, he didn't. He was flawless, and he really executed at the end extremely well in the restarts. And he had to pass Haley twice, by the way, because he three, well, yeah, t- three times actually, because passed him once, then the caution came out, then he passed him, and then Haley, to his credit, made a really good move to kind of come back on him. But then he got he pushed too hard, and then and then uh, Shane, see, I'm using Shane, um, went right by him again. So just really, really impressive. And then managed the late restart well too, and just you know got a flawless restart and pulled away, and it was it was over. So Justin Haley, you know, finishes P two. And he had had a rough start to the weekend, um, wrecked, started last. And he was talking about how last night, um, Saturday night, he, he had to put half the wrap up on the, the car on himself to, you know, help fix the damage. Um, he was talking about, you know, look, college racing, we don't get the Chevy support, um, that the other teams do. He only got 20 minutes on the simulator on Thursday night at 9 PM before coming to Chicago. Um, and he finished second and he, I thought he did a fantastic job because look, obviously he was one of the beneficiaries of getting his track position flipped Mm -hmm. because he had pitted really early like Chase Elliott did. And then they end up shortening the race because of darkness and saying, okay, it's going to end on lap 75 and he didn't need to pit again. So, you know, he inherits that track position, right? But it wasn't like he got up there and then fell back. I mean, he, he had Dylan and chase Elliott behind him. Dylan ends up crashing himself while chasing Haley. Mm -hmm. Haley was on old tires and really respectably ran with SVG, um, for the win. I mean, there's nothing Haley could have done differently. No. In that situation. When you, when you take, he was a sitting duck and he did everything he could. Um, I mean the, the 91 was, probably a better car it had fre- way fresher tires and again a completely world-class experienced driver behind the wheel so there's no shame in losing um that but i mean haley that that's a, that's a big statement for him i think like he's he's looking for a ride or you know at least in contract negotiations or you know doesn't know what his future is at, mm-hmm. the, at the very least and for him to come out and do that um 
that's that's big. You know, he needs stuff like that. He's a talented driver. I'm I'm really high on him. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think in the right situation, he could do really big things. And it was a rough start to this year for Colleg. They have righted the ship in the last uh, six to seven weeks or so, and he's running more consistently. AJ Allmendinger's turned the corner as well, but he, he didn't have a but to have a moment like this and to to go to hold your own and you know not falter and he Dylan was hounding him like hounding him but really easy to turn a bad wheel and he didn't and he was smooth and he gave it everything he had at the end and he just he not there is no shame in falling short he is a driver who is as Chris Rice the president of the team colleague told me like he's a franchise guy he's a guy that you build your team around as an organization that you want to have and you know they are his contract is up and he doesn't know you know what's going to happen they they colleague wants to resign him and he wants to resign with colleague but you know these things go and so we'll see but that's you know as we, we've talked a lot about silly season and stuff that's a name to keep an eye on because this is a kid who, who is very talented who when you put him in the right situation has done it more often than not you know i i i think chase elliott um certainly was fortunate as well you know held his own but there was a time, I mean, he had a, he had a rough weekend he was off in practice, then crashes, um, puts his team behind, crashed again, uh, in the race. And, you know, you're just like, wow, this is not going well for him again, though. He's, he's able to pit gets, you know, is the recipient of a lot of yellow flags that allowed them to stretch their fuel to the end and obviously flipping the track position and he's able to stay up there. So he shaves more points off now. Um, and I'll tell you what else, if you're Elliot, you are very, 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 very happy or you should be that SVG won. Then Haley. Then Haley. Yeah. It's one last time. That's why when, uh, Elliot was racing him, I was like, and he's like, you know, if just let him go. Cause he, he, otherwise if you hold him up, Haley may run away a little bit more and that gap may not close. You don't need Haley to win. It is in your best interest if you can't win yourself to that 91 car gets in victory lane because otherwise your path to the playoffs just got harder. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have any intentions of trying to make it on points, which, again, seems still very possible, it's now within... It's the, not very possible. It's po- it, It's not possible. It's, he, it's not very possible. shaved more points off tonight. I, I don't... It's, it's down in the 50s. It's not very with, possible that he's going to do it, though. It is possible, but it is still a remote chance. I don't have it in front of me, but I just looked. It, I was our, our was colleague, five points or something. Yeah, our colleague and I, Dustin Long, were like joke. Do you hear us making fun of you tonight? Yeah, you were making fun of me when he was running thirty something. Guess what? He finished third. Yeah, that's great. He still has to win. Like he has to be. He a, doesn't have to win. I will, in my opinion, he is going to have to win to make the playoffs. He will have to be okay. flawless. Right now, I'm okay, seeing that he now has That's to cool. gain. If I'm, if my math is correct, which it's often not, he needs to gain six point mm-hmm. eight points per race, so mm-hmm. less than seven points per race mm-hmm. on sixteenth place. Whoever is that? Okay, we 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 literally had this conversation last week. I'll just say the same thing again. You're assuming that he is going to finish in the top ten and run as well as he is this weekend as he did last week for the rest of the way which means he cannot have a bad race, which means when you go to today, he was great, but he also struggled and a lot of things had to go his way and it worked out. Then you go to Atlanta, you got a Daytona and you got an Indy, which are three wild card tracks. He can't have a misstep the rest of the way. Plus 
he can't have somebody else outside of the playoffs win to steal a spot because then that line moves up even more. So, yeah, could he point his way in? Yeah, I mean, technically, sure. Absolutely. Is it likely? No. 16th place as of tonight is Ty Gibbs. Yeah. Um, because Alex, well, Suarez fell out because Suarez was going to be in great shape, running top five most of the day. Obviously, his teammate won and hit the wall. And I guess I don't know what happened after that, but he ended up finishing 20 something. He had some brake issues, apparently. And uh, that really, really hurt him and cost him a lot of points. So he slipped out. Alex Bowman, who also was, um, you know, he he was right near Suarez. He was, I think he came in 17th. Um, you know, that wasn't his fault. He was running, I think he got turned by Denny Hamlin going into 11. Um, Hamlin might have gotten hot or something and, Bowman apparently did something to the engine um, when they when he spun, and he got a low oil warning. It did like a factory reset or something. <laughs> yeah, they they tried to buy they tried to bypass the low oil warning, and then the engine blew. So um, that hurts. So he finished last, and so now again, I don't have in front of me. We're doing this in in our hotel room or whatever, but. Um, I think he's 20th in points now or something or something pretty low. So that, that didn't hurt him. But again, so I'm bringing this up because you're telling me like, if you say to me, okay, can, can Chase Elliott outrun Ty Gibbs by an average of seven spots for the next eight weeks? And you're saying he cannot do that. I'm saying that the margin of error that Chase Elliott has is minimal. No, but that's not what I'm asking. I get that. Of I mean, course, I agree his margin of error is minim- minimal. But will Chase Elliott outrun Ty Gibbs by an average of seven spots per He's race? Not gonna, it, the line is going to move up. So whatever it is now, it is. <laughs> You're not answering my question. Yes, I am answering. If there's, no new, if there's no new winners. Okay, so you didn't, an- you didn't ask the question the right way. You want to answer the right way? I don't think the right there's going to be a winner from outside. You don't think there's going to be a winner outside? Uh-uh. Oh, see, I do. We got too many. You're going to get one along the way. It's just, it's, it just happens. It's like we get at least one. So, well, no, I tonight, mean. Tonight was a wild card and didn't count for the playoffs, did it? No, it didn't. It didn't. Maybe that's the one. Maybe that is the one. We'll see. Yeah, Isn't it weird that you get a weird. You get that's a we- going to be a different winner, but it's a one-off winner who won't even race the rest of the season. So Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll come to the All-Star race next year at North Wilkesboro. What? <laughs> He's eligible. Yeah, but he's not going to be good on an oval. It'd be fun. That'd be great. Make make your uh, oval track debut at uh, the All Star race. Um, you got to have a car. You got to have a sponsor. I mean, that's another thing about how hard that was. Like there, that was a third team that only runs like two races a year. Uh, Justin Mark said they don't have any other Project Ninety One plan uh, races plan right now. I mean, to pull and, and he says they don't hire anybody for that team. It's it's people in the shop doing other jobs yeah and and that would be another reason to doubt i mean we were talking about you know jimmy johnson uh, oh yeah he's going to be in a third third car at times for legacy well that's not going to go well because how good can a third car as as competitive as these guys are you know guys that don't even do it regularly like pit crew and stuff like that like i don't know pretty impressive um but anyway um who else? What other performances jumped out at you tonight? Um, obviously, Kyle Busch had a 
heck of a comeback to be stuffed in the barriers. Um, had to be pulled out. And I mean, he was, he was the first one to hit it really hard. Yeah. I mean, you look at the top six, you had actually, actually four of the top six. Well, Haley had his issues in practice and qualifying. Right. And then Elliot had his issues. Uh, Kyle Bush ended up in the tire barriers, ended up a lap down today, came back and finished fifth. And then Austin Sindrick had himself a, uh, a day yesterday where he bounced off the wall a few times and he rallies back to finish sixth. And Joey Logano finished eighth. He ended up in the tire barrier. So, uh, yeah. But I, see, a lot of those guys benefited from this strategy, which um, I didn't get a chance to read Kelly Crandall's article yet, but I think she went and talked to Adam Stevens, Christopher Bell's crew chief, and I think he used the word negligence on NASCAR's part by calling the race shortened when they did. But they, they gave notice after a pit stop and that really upset some of the teams. Now SVG was in that situation, same situation as bell and still overcame and won the race. Right. But okay. You know, that was one of Steve O'Donnell's points, but listen, I mean, I don't know if there's a fair way to do it. Um, but at some point it was obvious that there wasn't going to be enough light to do it. The race got started late because of the rain about an hour late. Right. And, um, they were running out of laps. I mean, it, there wasn't going to be enough time to do a hundred laps. So they said, okay, let's do 75 laps. Um, you got to make the call at some point, because if you wait too long, you know, they do, they do the thing before like a Talladega, Indianapolis, the Brickyard 400, where they just keep waiting and waiting and it's dark and dark and dark and dark. And at some point they just go, okay, it's too dark. And then the race is over. Right. So would you rather them wait until it's too dark or say, okay, there's this. It's going to end on this lap. We're going to try to make it to this lap. I think they did it the right way. And I will say this: as a crew chief, you've kind of got to be aware of this. We knew this watching the race. We were talking about it before NASCAR, but long before NASCAR made a decision. We were. You, I think you tweeted about it even. But we were all discussing it. Like this, the, you're doing the math. This isn't going to be a full distance race. It can't. It, it's. It's ma- almost mathematically impossible the way they're going for it to be. So as a crew chief, how do you not recognize that, right? And to Kyle Busch's team's credit, guess what Randall Burnett did? He recognized this and said, I need to get my driver in here and because we're going to try to use this to our advantage. And so, yeah, it, it sucks. It, it bit some teams, but that's part of it is, is, is looking at the situation and figuring out and anticipating what you think is going to happen. And, you could see where this was going, and I don't feel. I, I think NASCAR did they handled it as about as well as you could considering the circumstances. This is what Kyle Busch said. He said, "We had a hand dealt to us late there in the going, where we thought about the race getting shortened and pitting and getting ahead of some of those guys. So we did that, and we were able to flip the field and get ourselves back up to the front. So I asked him, so that was intentional, where you guys were thinking, okay, it's going to be shortened, so let's pit now. And Kyle said. Yeah, exactly. We were on the radio talking about that. I was like, you guys need to talk, stop talking about this so much. Just do it because we're going to give it away and every, have everybody follow suit. Um, he went on to say that he was hoping that they'd be the only ones that did it, but there was, was about six or seven of them that did it. And I think there was actually nine of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, that was unfortunate. I mean, look, I, I hate it for Christopher Bell, right? Because he was dominating the race. 
um, and he was in con- complete control of it. And then uh, once that happened, he was, you know, he gets in some incidents and that's it. So the race is screwed. Um, but I also think like, yeah, I just don't know of a better way to do it. And I would rather give, I would rather see NASCAR give plenty of advance notice than try to just wait and then say, Oh, it's too like whose definition is it of too dark when they're asking people, can you still see? And you know, they just did that at Talladega a few years ago. So, um, I don't know. The Brandon Brown one, the Brandon Brown. That's right. That's right. And then wasn't, wasn't Casey Kane's win? 2017 at, in Indianapolis. Yeah, that was... That was like, that was just not... That was restart after restart after restart. Right, right. And it was getting dark and all that. But anyway. um, Yeah, I... I Look, I... It definitely affected the race, but... I don't know. I just... I don't see necessarily a better way to do that. Maybe, maybe you know, I'll probably listen to some of the other podcasts this week and people say, well, they could have done this. And I'll say, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. But... I don't know. In the moment, uh, I think they made the right call. Now, look, you, should, you want to talk about other controversial calls? Or, Fire away. So another one that was, um, and I don't mean to jump around too much, but so the Xfinity Series situation was odd, right? Because their race, you know, I guess, I guess, well, let's back up for a second. Saturday, everything was going well. Um, it was a sunny day. Uh, the smoke had largely cleared out that what people were early worried about early in the week. Um, and it was, it, things were going well practice qualifying, um, for both series, you know, it turned out they could race the course. They were not wrecking every corner. Like it was, it was actually okay. Uh, they get 20, whatever laps into the Xfinity race and a storm pops up that, was a thunderstorm, but it was going to go sort of north of downtown. It seemed like, but it was, there was a lightning strike within that eight mile radius that we talk about so much, which is NASCAR's policy to stop the race. So NASCAR says, okay, lightning strike. It's like two laps short of halfway. Stop the cars. Well, I guess the city's policy, which NASCAR knew about the city's policy is if there's severe weather in the area, uh, we're going to go ahead and evacuate the entire park. Um, it's not like fans just take shelter, like going to the grandstands, like at other tracks. It's you, you got to leave the park. So they leave, but then here's where things get tricky because I'm not sure everybody in NASCAR realized or what there was, there was communication breakdown or something. The city is not going to let people back into the park until it's totally clear of lightning threat. And since there was more potential there, there wasn't any more within the eight mile radius, but there was more that looked like it was coming and they're not going to open up the gates and have all the police and everybody come back in, let everybody back in until they know it's going to be safe for the rest of the time. So I think NASCAR, from what I understand, looked at that along with the city and they're like, okay, well, by the time we get everybody back in and this weather clears from what Chicago is telling us, it's going to be like two hours and that's pretty much going to be darkness and we're not going to have enough time to do the race. So let's postpone it till tomorrow. So they come back, obviously we wake up this morning and it is pouring. It is pouring, 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 right? 
and it, you know, it was like, okay, well they're going to race. And we, you know, we're sitting at breakfast in our hotel and it is downpour outside. And they're like, oh yeah, drivers to your cars. We're going to try to race. And we're like looking out the window, like, no, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way they can, how can they even make no, a lap in this? That's not going to happen. Right. So this is where it gets tricky because they're still two laps short of halfway. And in all the time we've been around, and as far as we know, you know, decades now, we always hear, we got to get to halfway for official race or, you know, halfway or stage two, right? Yeah. That, that's been the rule on and off. And, and now it's a combination of either. Um, this race, they never got, they never got it restarted. They never even made the caution laps. And NASCAR came to the decision that in order to get on with the rest of the day and have cup, have a chance to make it, um, and get Xfinity out of there and, and be able to run the cup race. They were calling it after 25 laps, two laps short of the halfway distance. That's never happened at least since I've been around or, or can remember. So how do you feel about them? I mean, cause a lot of teams like, I mean, some teams pitted right before that. Some teams fell to the back because they thought, well, we're going to avoid chaos and have a chance when this restarts. Um, now a lot of the front runners were there. Cole Custer led all 25 laps and he was declared the winner. But how do you feel about a race being called official that in the rule book, except for the, except for rare instances rule, <laughs> there's nothing that covers that at all. Well, it's covered cause it's got that, it's got the caveat, right? Which they love to, to use when they, when they can, I guess is why they smartly put it in the rule book. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, what are you supposed to do? What What are you supposed to do realistically? You can't, you can't run more on Saturday because there's lightning. And so you try to run it today. You, you would hope you had a little bit of a window to do something. You didn't, you can't run on Monday. I, I don't have, I don't have a problem with it. I, do I want to see this all the time? No, absolutely not. But this is a once, like you said, I don't remember this happening before. So, we're just going to say once in a, a few decades thing. I'm okay with it. I mean, at the end, if they were going to restart the race today, they were just going to flip on. They were just going to run our caution. They were actually weren't going to do a race. It was going to be run a couple of laps in our caution, get to halfway and we're done. That isn't going to change the running order or anything. Anyway, all you have to, all you're doing is it's, it's a stage manufactured thing to, for what, if the finishing, if this is the finishing order, in two more laps and it's not going to change because everyone knows not to pit then why are we doing this just call it now and let's let's go home the the quibble and i think it's a, a conversation you could have is you could say yesterday saturday is is this realistically is there a realistic chance for us to get this race in on sunday and if you don't think that answer is yes then just call it then just get it done with and then you don't have to deal with all of this on sunday and you can just move on and put it behind you. But if they really thought they had a chance to get this race in on Sunday, and they they thought they did apparently, then I, then I understand why they did it the way they did. So I do disagree with you um, because I think preferably, if possible, which I don't know if it would have been possible or not given the conditions at the time. Maybe it wouldn't have been. But if it was possible to run two caution laps super slowly – and just get to halfway, just to say you got to halfway. I would prefer that because that would at least be consistent in the rule book. Now you have a race that didn't even get to halfway. 
It didn't finish stage two. You award full stage points. You award full race points. F1 at Spa, that embarrassment a couple years ago, you know, according to their rule book, if they don't get, only get a certain amount of laps or whatever, they award half points. This race, this is going to potentially affect the Xfinity Series playoffs. It's going to affect, you know, the the purses at the end of the year for these teams who are trying to get in to the top, whatever it is, 20 or 25 um, to get, you know, bonus payouts that, that go to those top teams. Um, and I hate to see it decided this way. Um, like, look again. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't change the running order, but still so it's the semantics then it, it is, but that's, well, no, it's, it's, it's called a rule. It's not semantics. It's a rule written in the rule book. Well, there's also a rule in the rule book that says they can do whatever they want. They can alter things as they go. I mean, okay. So, so okay. That's fine. But, Let's say we're at Dover next year. Okay, we're sitting at Dover, and it's on lap 195 out of 400. And the skies open up, and they run two more caution laps, and they say, All right, bring them down pit road. We're three laps short of halfway. It's not, and, it's not well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, well, let me go with my scenario. And the forecast for tomorrow is terrible. And we don't know if we're going to get this race in for another couple of days, mm-hmm. but we've got to get to halfway. Normally, we would have had to get to halfway. Well, now this precedent has been set. You can say, "Well, we can do whatever we want." So, do you? Is it okay to call the race then, and say, "Well, this Cup race didn't get to halfway, and normally that's what we do, but we did it one other time." So, does this change? going forward how you look at that stuff because i it does for me it doesn't follow the rule it's not a this this shouldn't be a precedent you have to take a look at the circumstances here and the circumstances are you have a circuit that was going to be literally ripped down uh within a day or so and you aren't going to have this now nascar has shown in the past they will stay and ride it out texas is a perfect example of the playoff race a few years ago because that race started and it wasn't resumed until Wednesday. Is that right? Thursday? I think Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. So they have already shown they, they will run this. And this is a, you have to take into account all of the circumstances surrounding this. You're dealing with here Chicago politics, a circuit that is going to get ripped down. So, no, this is a one off. This is not a precedent. And I, I get it. I can understand why you may think that. But again, you have to take this all into account and NASCAR is showing and I wouldn't expect anything to change going forward in terms of how they conduct what their mentality is when it comes to, you know, half reaching halfway or the end of stage two for a race to be official. Okay, but going going back to my example, Dover, lap one ninety seven, rain for the next two days. Are you gonna be upset if they say uh, it's not an official race, but we're declaring this race over and declaring winner are you because that's a permanent facility or are you going to say well no i mean how, how i don't want to see that? i don't want to see this happen again i i would prefer not to see this happening again unless there's like some just okay so then you rewrite the rule to say at temporary street courses where you may not be able to race the next day you don't need we, to rewrite the rule because you already have it you already have the exception written in there like basically it says nascar can do whatever they want because that's what the, what is well, it? That's for any rule. Well, so why have a rule book then? I mean, there's there's people that ask that too. I, I mean, mean that that's a general rule at the start of the rule book. But I, I, again, this is a it's a circumstantial thing. This isn't. A, you know how I am about the rules. I want the rules to be followed. 
I want there to be integrity and consistency. I get this. I get the situation, but that's why I was saying I would have preferred to run out a couple. But laps is there any? Possible. Okay. Is there anything in the rule book about half points? No, there's no, no. Okay, so then we're just rewriting rules there then. Well, so which rule are we rewriting here, Judge? I'm not saying they should have done half points. I'm you said saying, you wanted to, what you've been like spa. Well, going for I'm what I'm saying is going forward. So there should be a rule in the rule book. You want to add a rule to the rule book about half points. If a race doesn't get to the end, if for whatever reason a race doesn't get to halfway and needs to be called. Yes, because I don't think it was fair. I don't think it's fair that Xfinity playoffs and, and purses and stuff is gonna be potentially that this wasn't a this wasn't a even so, a but half if they would have ran two more laps under caution. Then, according to the rule book, okay, the rule book says right there, hey, this is an official race, so everybody knows. Okay, I mean, if they had run two more laps, look, the the whole lightning thing, the lightning, it never even really rained hard. The lightning, like it was off in the distance. We never even heard thunder, at least that I heard. So they could have run two more laps, maybe. And again, I, that would have gone against their policy as well. But this went way more against their policy than letting the cars the cars run two more laps under caution with lightning, a lightning delay or lightning hold, and then bringing them down pit road. They they should have tried to reach halfway on Saturday night, is what I'm saying. If, yeah, it would have been interesting to see. You had to be in the room and see what what pressure was being applied. From the city, in terms, I don't think the city's in the room for race control. Well, I mean, that was a NASCAR decision. Hey, eight miles, you know. Again, though, like, and and I, we were talking about it on the way out last night. You you said you want them to go against their lightning policy, and I'm like, well, I mean, they could have run two more laps, but they went again. Like, talking about going against policy to cut a race short. That's not even. I don't know. That that was just. I'm much more comfortable with that than going against the lightning policy. I think if there's what. Really? Yeah, if you, there's there's lightning within eight miles. I'm I want them to be hard and fast on that. I don't want to play with that. People can die. Okay. Yeah. It's it, it, at Pocono. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. It's this hard. Was a, this was a city with tall skyscrapers. I, want, I am not taking the. I am not if, taking a chance. I, if, if the policy is eight miles, we are not messing around with lightning. We're in a park, by the way, and there's not there's not buildings on the other side of that park. But it wasn't that close yet. It was within eight miles. Was it or it wasn't? It's a yes or no question. Was it within eight miles? It's a yes or no question. All right. Yeah, it's, I'm waiting for an answer. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, sure, yes. Okay, so there you go. That's all that matters. And that's okay. from the experts. They say what that's what the, the best thing to do. Then we shut it down. And obviously the city agrees because they've got their own policy, which is even more uh, stringent. So, I, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird situation. There's a lot of things going on that you don't see in a normal race weekend. So, you know, you can look at it. But, I, and again, I, when it comes to lightning, I ain't messing around. All right. Um, let's see. What else, uh, you know, what else jumped out to you? Uh, by the way, I, I will say, too, like, um, <laughs> I mean, that the emotional roller coaster this weekend playing, you know, talking about the rain. Um, last night and this morning, I mean, the, I felt so bad. I just felt so bad for everybody, um, that it worked so hard. Cause it was like, you know, the, those concerts got canceled, the chain smokers, Miranda Lambert, Charlie Crockett, this, this had been billed as, Hey, it's a festival that has racing and music. You know what I mean? And, and 
we ran into this dude on the street last night walking back and yeah. he, he looked like he was about to cry. We were talking to Mike Bagley. This dude came up to us and I think he thought we were from NASCAR because we had we know, hard cards on. on and yeah. And he's like, Hey, is the concert canceled? The chain smokers? I, I only bought tickets just so I could go to the chain smokers concert. And we're like, yeah, it's sorry. It's done. And he's like, well, how do I get refunds? I haven't even gone in yet. Like, yeah. I didn't care about the racing. I just, you know, his There's friends a lot were standing of people nearby. Like that. Yeah. Maybe so, that's how they build it. I mean, it was kind of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway well, that's thing, that's what I'm right? saying. So so then you that was such a big part of it, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's like, uh, I just felt so bad, you know, for fans, for NASCAR. Again, over $50 million. And, mm-hmm. and this morning I'm like, is this race even going to get in? You know, we were talking, we were looking at flights for Monday. I mean, Denny Hamlin was pretty strong on Twitter. Like, let's not do this, you know, um, in the morning at least like, Hey, let's, let's try again tomorrow. And then when they were getting ready to start, he was like, let's not, let's not do this in the rain, please. Um, it was like, is this going to all go for nothing? Like the concerts are gone. The Xfinity race gets canceled. Um, is cup going to even run with anybody around to see it? Is it going to be a rainy disaster? Is it, I mean, it's like, dude, this sucks. This really sucks. I just felt it was like such a low. Um, and then for everybody to just sort of bounce back and have this race. I mean, geez, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm exhausted from this, from this weekend. Just, yeah, I mean, it was was hard to keep up with everything. I mean, I feel terrible for, fans because there was a lot there was a lot of people i bet that came just for the concerts and that was part of the hook of this was come for the concert and you get a race and that's how you were going to introduce nascar to a, a, a group of fans who maybe are a group of people who maybe don't even know anything about this and that they're going to learn and they're going to like it and i love the idea you see it happen at the indianapolis 500 every year with the snake pit you see it other places i love it I, you see it in coda uh, for formula one I think it's a great idea. And I, when NASCAR went this route and they bring in the chain smokers and Miranda Lamb, you're like, okay, all right. These are, these are big acts. This is good. This, I like what you're doing here. And then to see it go sideways like this. And there's no, there's no, there's no way to, to, to make this right at all. And the chain smokers had a concert later Saturday night in Las Vegas. They had to be at, and so they're not coming back and it sucks. And you, yeah, I would, I don't know their policy. I, I don't know what the refund policies are. You would hope that people get their money back and you feel bad for NASCAR because they invested a lot into this. They definitely have tried to go outside of their conventional norms and how they market and how they put together a race weekend. And this was a big part of it. And it just went completely sideways through no fault of their own. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? Like it, it really, I mean, this was so unprecedented. And I think, um, I saw some stats where this was going to be one of the, um, by, by the time the rain was going to be done, it was going to be one of the 100 rainiest days in Chicago since like 1873, since records were being kept. This was, um, they got more rain in one day than they had for the entire month. Um, last month, I guess. Um, and again, this is not like this happens here very often. This is, this was a freak rain event and it was like NASCAR. It was like, can NASCAR ever win? 
you know, why does this, you know, it's just like, it was brutal, but somehow, thankfully there was a happy ending. It got, it got salvaged, you know? Um, I, and I think the race I, at that point when the race started, just to get the race in, had it been even just a below average boring race, that would have been a, a win just to get it in at that point. Just get it in and not a delay, not a, right. you don't have to worry about fighting with the city. And and the fact that it was a good race, clean, relatively clean. There was no controversy. There was no. It was no ugliness. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very much a win, yeah. and it brought everything back up. And I. And I don't. I don't know how this is going to be remembered. You know, a year from now, I. I don't know. I mean, you're going to remember the rain because it's it's hard not to because you can't escape it. But I don't know if you're going to remember. Kind of that big lull there, though. I mean, the this the 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 up and down of the emotions. I think you're gonna like, oh yeah, it was raining, it was crazy, and the concerts got canceled. But that racing was awesome. And I think at the end of the day, it's gonna when you look back on this weekend, the positivity surrounding this is still gonna be the overriding emotion from it. Yeah, and and the rain didn't cause a moment like a like the inaugural Coda race that was really ruined by rain. You know what I mean? With those terrible, disastrous wrecks. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing you would remember if it was rain. But I agree with you. I think five years from now, you'll go, oh yeah, that was when SVG came over in his one start and kicked everybody's butt. And it was the first Chicago race. And it showed street race can, can work for NASCAR. And mm-hmm. I think those are the, those are the takeaways, right? So, um, all in all, um, look, I, I know I completely recognize that people did not like this race or that some people didn't. I've been there. I've been in your shoes because I, you all know how I feel about the dirt race. You love it, right? So, you know, it's like, I can't sit here and go, Oh my gosh. No. You know, if if people, you know, people aren't justified in not liking a certain kind of racing, if it's not for you, that's fine. But objectively, if you're looking at it, taking the emotion out of it or taking your personal emotion, feelings, biases out of it, I just don't see how this could be anything but a, a success. This this was a big weekend for NASCAR. They did it. They did it. They pulled it off. A plus. Let's talk about the good race polls. It time for that. Sure, let's do it. Um, this is going to be a very, 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 very <laughs> challenging one because you have a lot of factors here, Jordan. Mm-hmm. You have the race itself, which I think people liked the race largely. Mm-hmm. However, I also saw. You know, let's say for every three comments that I saw saying, this is awesome. I love this great race. This was so exciting. Wow. SVG really redeemed the weekend, all this stuff for every comment like that. There was maybe another comment that was like, this is the worst thing NASCAR's ever done. I mean, people were still saying that tonight after the race, this was terrible. I hope they never do this again. People were replying to my quiet track photo. They looked, took over. Hope it's quiet forever. Why? Why do they hate it? Number one. People are against the street race in general. Number two, people are highly against Chicago and have feelings toward Chicago that it's too dangerous and all these things like that. Um, and and they did no matter what happened, they were going to hate this because it was a street race in Chicago. NASCAR belongs in Daytona on Fourth of July, or I also saw NASCAR belongs in Road America. This is way better than Chicago. If you're going to go to Chicago, why don't you go to Chicago land? All these sorts of things swirling, swirling, right? So there's some people that are going to vote in the poll. I gotta be, I'm looking at your mentions right now on your quiet track. Like, uh-huh. there is, 
They're overwhelmingly, there's a couple, but they're overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I, okay, so you think it's more than three out of four? I'm looking, I, I literally just, it took me a long time before I f- saw the first negative comment. Okay, well then you should so pick the race is going to be in the 90s and I'll take the win. <laughs> yeah, am I picking first? I won last week, so I picked first. I will take, I'm going to go 85. Oh, no way. No way, dude. Sorry. Okay. I'm telling you, there's so much, there's already a, a built-in, I would say, I would say 15% are going to vote no automatically, no matter what, because they want to express their anger over w- whatever they didn't like about this. So they're not even going to be voting on the racing. They're going to be voting on Chicago. They're going to be voting on street racing in general. Um, so I think you're going to lose 15% right there. And then the people that did watch with an open mind, you know, some some will say, well, there wasn't enough passing for the lead, like you said. Um, too many, maybe some people say too many wrecks. I I don't know, but I think it's I think it'll be um, in the low seventies at best, almost. Like I, I I just don't. I think there's going to be too many complicating factors with this. So I'm going to go ahead and say seventy three. Um, I actually think it could be a little bit lower. I I'd be surprised. I'll be floored if it's in the 80s honestly and look i i could be wrong that'd be a pleasant surprise because i think i think what you did you just say 85 85 i think that that accurately reflects like the excitement of the day i think it was there was a lot of energy the fans afterwards and tell me tell me about the scene afterwards we didn't get to talk about that because i didn't go, go out there because i was writing you went out there and and saw how how the fans got to be close oh my to goodness victory and, lane was so cool it was like martinsville you know, Martinsville, they bring the, the, the victory lane out right into the right front stretch. stands, yeah. Yeah, but it was like that, but it was better. <laughs> and that uh, they had they had behind victory lane, they had the suites and everything. So you had people kind of overhanging that. Then you had the grandstand right there. Plus, you had people on the front stretch. It was electric. People were chanting. Um, it was music playing. They made it a point to have like a DJ and, you know, simply the best from Karate Kid. The, the Karate Kid theme was playing. Um, at one point it was just, it was cool. It was very, it felt like a big deal. Someone said to me like, this feels like someone won a championship. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what this feels like. Well, and so that's, that's, you know, Alan Kavana, our friend, um, had gone out there too and walked around and, and was talking about how, you know, cause look, I mean, I think it ultimately turned out to be maybe somewhere between 70 and 80% of the people there were new fans who had never been to a NASCAR race before. And every time something crazy would happen on the screen, they were very excited by what they saw there. You know, he like the wrestling term, there was a pop from the crowd, mm-hmm. right? Like they were super into it. And, you know, it sounded like at the end of the race too, like in those final laps, like they were super cheering, super loud. They didn't even necessarily know much about NASCAR, much about what was going on necessarily, but they saw it was exciting. They were thrilled by what they saw. So, um, you know, Again, if you're voting on that kind of thing, I could see where it'd be 85%. I just, I am thinking that we're not going to. Oh, there's a segment of NASCAR fans. You could, you could have had the greatest race in NASCAR history happen today and it wouldn't have mattered. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that's why it's just, yeah, I'm just, I'm done. It's just, I don't get it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. All right. Well, um, I don't know. I feel like there was so much to talk about. I'm sure we missed some things and, It'll be one of those podcasts where I press stop on the podcast and I go, dang it, we forgot to talk about this. But I feel like we covered as much ground as we could. And 
I don't know about you, but I'm freaking tired, dude. I don't know so. about you, but I gotta be. If I get any sleep tonight, it will be a miracle. I have to write all night long, and I've got an early flight. Yeah, it's it's gonna be rough, but uh, it was fun hanging out. Um, I don't know about the roommate thing, but uh, we we survived. We didn't kill each other despite being stuck in a room for lengthy rain delays. Also, um, and now we're not going to see each other again until the end of the regular season, right? That's yeah. the plan anyway. Daytona. Yep, we've got. Uh, we're going our separate ways for a while. You'll be at Atlanta mm-hmm. coming up next. So, oh, isn't that where you did your closet, uh, your storage closet podcast this year? With the soda behind oh, it. Oh, early in the... Yeah, well, that'll be a repeat because there is no <laughs> spots to do the podcast. Oh, lovely. Well, we'll be back on YouTube for that for yeah, sure. So we'll be back... Uh, yeah, I'll be in the storage closets again. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, hopefully this made sense to you. We are getting... We're out of energy. So um, we appreciate you, though, for listening. And um, should be some you know, good little push here to the finish for uh, the next eight weeks um, until the playoffs start. So thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will talk to you next time on The Take.